You're listening to the So You Think You're Intuitive podcast, a podcast to help you reactivate, grow, and trust your intuition so you can live a more empowered and connected life. Join me, Natalie Miles, spiritual mentor and psychic medium, every Wednesday for inspired conversations, guidance, and practical tips on how you can work with your intuition in your everyday life. Because who doesn't want to trust their intuition more? Welcome back to So You Think You're Intuitive. I'm Natalie Miles, spiritual mentor and psychic medium, taking you on this journey to reactivate and trust your intuition. Hello, happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a good week. So this episode has been in the works for many, many months. Some might actually say hundreds of years or even that it was predestined I'd be recording it, but it never felt so right to be shared and birthed into the world at this time. And today is that day and I'm excited and I'll be straight up a little nervous to share this episode with you. But before I start, two very brief announcements. Firstly, it is the So You Think You're Intuitive live event next Tuesday, Tuesday 16th on the full moon in the evening. Um, I am going to be um, hosting this online. It's an online event where I'm going to be taking the group on an intuitive reactivation to reconnect and reawaken and reactivate your gift. I'm then going to be channeling messages for the group and also giving one-on-one messages as well. This is a really special event and it's also happening on the and it's also happening on the full moon so it's going to have some extra moon energy thrown into it. So if you're looking for some extra guidance and clarity in your life right now, this is an event where you will walk away with tools and guidance and feeling empowered to go forward in the next step of your journey. And it's eclipse season and we are riding through some intense energy and a portal right now. So if you're looking for that extra support, join me next Tuesday. It's in the evening PST time. I'll put a link in the show notes for how you can join us. I'm really looking forward to this event. I did it in May and I love the group that was brought together and it was so much fun. The next quick short announcement is I've been mentioning this the last couple of episodes, but I am asking for your help. Um, If this podcast has helped you to reconnect and reactivate your intuition, or if you've attended any of my events, whether they're in person or the online circles, I would love your help to just share a brief video testimonial on how this work has helped you reactivate and trust your intuition. I'm looking for video clips between 30 to 90 seconds, two minutes max. And if your video clip gets featured into the final video, you will get two months of free online circles. So you can join our online circles free for two months. All you need to do is message and email them to hello at natalie-miles.com. And you don't have to do it on any fancy cameras, just do it on your phone. And thank you in advance for helping me put this together. So, healing your ancestor story. 
What is an ancestor story in the first place and why should we even look at what an ancestor story is? An ancestor story are the themes, patterns, blocks and stories we carry from our ancestors. These don't have to just be from our ancestors hundreds of years ago, but our family story from our parents, grandparents and great-grandparents. We carry the trauma, emotions and pain from those who came before us. And these themes can be passed on from generation to generation without us even realising. In my one-on-one client sessions, Spirit would regularly share to clients that the blocks and stories weren't just from them, but they were repeated from the previous generations. This led me going on my own journey of self-discovery to discover and heal what my ancestor story is. Before we go any further, I want to acknowledge something that's really important as a white privileged woman discussing ancestors in this episode. I acknowledge and share in this space that being a white woman of British European descent, my ancestors were colonizers that took land away from indigenous communities. That we were settlers where there was cultural destruction, slavery, racism, theft, and sometimes genocide across much of the globe, the Americas, Africa, Asia, South Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. And that being a white cisgendered woman today has allowed me enormous privilege that is connected to these actions of my ancestors. For me, it's important for us to acknowledge the actions of our ancestors and the impact it has had on others, even if we don't know the exact details of the lineage. And I also share that I'm recording this episode and live on the unceded Indigenous territory of Squamish, Musqueam and Tisleil-Waututh, now known as Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and that I am a guest and visitor here. I encourage you to go and have a look at the history and land that you live on. My friend Jenny shared this link a few weeks ago on Facebook. It is um, native-land.ca and the website shows you what land you're on and it's for Canada and the US. I believe it shows Canada and the US. So why even bother to heal an ancestor story? Why should you even look at it? It's been shown in science through epigenetic studies that we carry the trauma of our ancestors in our DNA. That's just mind-blowing. We carry the trauma of our ancestors in our DNA. Just take a moment to think about that. And then it shows up in our genetic pathways. For example, a study of the survivors of the Holocaust and their children, their genes showed survivor trauma through stress. I don't want to go too deep into that, but there are many articles on it. So if you feel called, go and have a Google epigenetic studies and the connection to our ancestors and lots will come up on it. So when I was doing one-on-one client sessions, Spirit were channeling through how we can heal our ancestor story and was letting people know that it was important for us to identify, heal and release the stories and so that we can end them because when we heal these stories in this lifetime we are also healing the trauma and stories from the past generations and the future generations yet to come because time isn't linear and when we do the healing now we can impact the past and the future 
and the beauty of healing the ancestor story means that we can look at and heal the patterns and blocks that are coming up in our lives, whether it's feeling abandoned, alone, unable to give or receive love, a feeling of unworthiness, um, repetitive money problems or drama surrounding money, not feeling at home, grounded or settled, not feeling like you belong, feeling like you can't be heard or seen, um, lack of self-worth, blocks with physical or emotional intimacy, not trusting people, issues with control and freedom, health issues. Yeah, it's amazing what can be unlocked when you look at healing the ancestor story. But what Spirit like to share about it, as the global collective consciousness upgrades, we are being called to look at these ancestor stories and the impact they have had on us as individuals and the collective as a whole. We're being given an opportunity to heal and shine the light on the wrongs of the past so that we can set ourselves free. A connection to the love that's in each and every one of us that we have for ourselves. We have the power to end these stories and heal them so we can live our most authentic lives, not being influenced or conditioned by the ancestor stories. So I want to share a little bit about how this work came into my life and what my ancestor story is. So during my one-on-one client sessions, the ancestor story started showing up in my work as I channeled message from spirit to guide clients. For example, I shared messages and guidance to a woman struggling with her inner courage to speak her truth in her relationship. What was subsequently shown from spirit was that her mother, grandmother and great-grandmother had all struggled with speaking their truths in relationships and gave examples and details of that, of what had happened in their lives. And this kept coming up, not this particular theme, but the patterning. And once it showed up in my work, I knew I had to look at it myself because straight up, you attract the clients who you can also get messages from. So often in my client sessions, I can take the themes and messages that Spirit are sharing for my own life. So I decided to look at my life. How was I playing out the stories of my maternal and paternal ancestral line? And I'm going to start with talking about the maternal ancestral line because when I followed the thread in my own family, the question and theme that kept repeating itself stood out so loud and clear. It was obvious. Why hadn't I seen it before? Mother. What is a mother? This is the question that shaped the women in my family through the generations for over a hundred years and has carried such an emotional trauma. And there were secrets and lies that surrounded that as a question and a theme. Uh, So I'm going to share with you their lives and their stories around what is a mother and bringing it back into present day. (laughs) There is so much emotion that comes up as I start wanting to share this with you. This is the first time that this has ever been said out loud in a wider context other than within a family. And there is some big ancestral healing going on just as I record this. Okay, here goes. So 
My great-grandmother was born in 1900 to a middle-class family. They had a shop and a grocer's shop in the county of Shropshire in England. My great-grandmother was called Frances. Frances, let's just say she broke the mold of the times by staying in education and becoming one of the first girls to go to a state public grammar school. In those times, it was just expected that girls would just go straight into work, but she stayed in education. She then went on to become a high-ranking civil servant in the government while remaining an unmarried woman, which was a really big deal at that time because she would have lost her job if she'd got married. You couldn't be married and work in the civil service at this time in the UK. And this would have been in the early 1920s. From hearing stories about her, apparently she possessed a strong repertoire of snappy comebacks and vicious put-downs. She definitely knew how to speak her truth. There's a story that my mum shared with me about her that once at work, a male supervisor commented on her nice little purse and she replied to him, Yes, it's for the nice little wages you pay me. And to say that to a male supervisor in the 1920s as a woman, yeah, go Francis, go great grandmother. But in the 1930s, she had two children out of wedlock. And simply put, to be a single mother in these times was dangerous. Stories were around of untraditional, inverted commas, untraditional women locked away in mental asylums, poked and prodded by the more nefarious corners of the medical community, their children being forcibly taken away from them. So fearing such a fate for herself and possibly worse for her children, she did the only thing that she knew she had to do. And so Frances sent away her children to be raised by close loved ones. Her son Leslie was sent to her sister, who never had children of her own, and her daughter, Josephine, born in 1934, was sent to a foster family where she spent the first four years of her life. Josephine is my grandmother. Tides turned for Frances in 1939 with the start of the Second World War. Frances wanted her children back to personally ensure the safety throughout the upcoming war. She suddenly had a change of heart and wanted to protect them. She, her motherly instinct to protect them kicked in because of the Second World War. So she called her children back from her sister and from this adoptive family, but she didn't introduce herself to her children as their mother, but she introduced herself as their aunt. My grandmother Josephine later said that she'd been told and believed that her parents had died in a car crash. So the war happened and I'm going to fast forward in time. By 1955, after the war, my grandmother was in her 20s and she trained to be a nursery nurse looking after children and was working at a nursery school. That year, she met her future husband and my grandfather, Richard, at a local dance. He was stationed in town doing his British National Service. 
And after a whirlwind romance, Richard proposed and they decided to get married. So just imagine she's happy and excited. She's found the love of her life and she's about to get married and she's really looking forward to her wedding day. And my grandmother Josephine's wedding day arrives. And on the biggest day of her life, the woman she had forever called Aunt Frances came forward with the truth on your wedding day, saying, I'm your mother. I'm your mother. I'm not your aunt. I'm your mother. Such a shock to the system would throw anyone off on a regular day. Compound this with the high stress of your big day and you've got yourself one wallop of an existential crisis. Josephine became a mother herself to three children, Laura, Sarah and Michael. After the birth of Laura, my mum and Sarah, she began to experience postpartum, a condition that would not garner lots of sympathy or understanding in those times, unlike in these days. Persevering through this, she raised her children while figuring it out on her own. After all, who did she have to guide her on how to be a mother when she grew up not having her own? The tragic irony is that my grandmother, Josephine, had always had a thing about weddings, a nervous tension, which is not surprising really after what happened on her wedding day and finding out that her aunt was actually her mother. But the tragic irony is that this showed up on the day that my grandmother passed across to the other side and passed over. Her son, Michael, was going to get married that summer. And the day had arrived for her to go wedding dress outfit shopping with my mum, my aunt, and I had a day off that day. And so I got to go too. Normally I would have been working, but for some reason I was off that day as well. She was so excited that day as we were leaving for the shops. She stopped us from leaving because the postman had arrived and she got out of the car to check if he had delivered the real wedding invitation, the actual printed wedding invitation on the paper. And it had arrived and she excitedly, she rushed back to the car and opened it. I remember it so viscerally. So we end up, we drive to the shops and she is trying on wedding outfits, but something happens and she has a stroke. She actually has a stroke in a changing room trying on these outfits for this wedding. She was rushed to hospital and she passed over, I think it was like two days later, but the theme running through her life around what is a mother, but also the stress of weddings and that as an energy and you see how that even showed up on how she passed okay back to my mum's story so my mum Laura was born in 1957 into a new era of developing equal opportunity and choices for women freedom of choice around education careers and the introduction of the pill as an alternate to motherhood were progressively becoming more commonplace. This was a time where you still had to get permission from a male member of your family to open a bank account. That's less than 50 years ago. You know, let's just think about that. All the women listening in the 60s, you had to get permission for a bank account to hold your own money. 
So for my mum, the ancestral story of what is a mother showed up as she became the blend of Francis and Josephine's stories. A high achiever in school, she desired a career in journalism. She was free-spirited, independent and inquisitive growing up. At the age of 21, at that time, she became the youngest woman in Fleet Street, then the famous centre of UK journalism. My mum worked in a male-dominated industry where you had to prove yourself to be a woman. Um, But when she fell pregnant with me in 1982, she felt the shift from her colleagues. They stopped putting her on certain types of stories as she was pregnant. The difficult, edgy stories were the ones she loved. And she began to feel the judgment from others around her for wanting to be a mother and have a career. So for my mum, her question around motherhood became, how do you be the working mother and the stay-at-home mother? What are the sacrifices? In the end, my mum sacrificed her career in journalism to be a mother. But my mum is way too feisty and driven to not further herself and create. After the birth of my sister, she still find a way to do things her way. She became an entrepreneur in the 1980s and set up her own successful PR firm went back to university to study English, philosophy and art history, wrote, published books, for 30 years practiced and studied yoga when it wasn't in or cool, traveled the world writing published articles on protecting animals. She's always furthering herself, always learning, always developing. So although she had to sacrifice her dream career for her children, she found that passion in so many other areas of personal development. So where do I fit into all of this? What's my story as I looked through all of this and gathered all of these stories? Where do I fit in? So as I share this, I'm nearly 37 years old with Daryl, my long-term partner, and I don't have children. Is it part of my ancestor story and the connection to my ancestors that the man I fell in love with decided to have a vasectomy at a young age as he didn't want children? He was straight up and he told me on our first date, not going to lie, it took me by surprise. It's not everything you think you're going to hear on a first date, especially by a man in his early 30s that had already decided he didn't want children. I didn't know what to think. I'll be straight up, but I loved his honesty. After the day, I walked through a park near my home and my mind was in overdrive. Our connection was real and open and he was different to other guys I dated. There was just this instant connection between us. Those connections where you just, you just know it's special. You know you've been brought together for a reason. But I questioned, was it a game changer that he'd had a vasectomy? It brought up bigger questions for me. Did I want children? Was this the moment where I'd reached the point where I had to be okay if children didn't happen? I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I questioned what my own family would think. If I was telling my mum, oh, by the way, I've, by the way, I'm in a relationship and we're not going to have kids. I decided not to make any rash decisions and go with the flow and see what happened over the next few dates with Daryl. Our connection grew and he just got me. He just saw me, which trust me, when you're doing this work and you're psychic, it's been tricky to find someone who can hold space for who you are and the work that you do. 
but with any big decision in my life, I've learned to listen to my guides and my intuition. So I kept tuning in and asking for guidance and loud and clear it came through time and time again. It was more important to love this man and be in a relationship that's so strong and full of connection than to end up potentially being in an unhappy relationship that may or may not ever bear children. The story of what his mother shows up in my sister's life as well. She's in her early 30s and is also currently undergoing her own health issues around fertility and endometriosis. She may not be able to have children herself. So when I followed the thread of the ancestor motherhood story, it came very clear that the concept of mother might stop this generation with my sister and I, would we ever be mothers? Is this how the ancestor trauma in our maternal line around motherhood stops? But my work with spirit and channeling and the messages and guidance that I share, it's all about healing. So I knew I had to look deeper into how I could heal this ancestor wound. Spirit guided me to a few practices which were transformational in my own life. I'm not going to lie. It was really insane what came through. I'll never forget a particular breathwork session led by my friend Tracy Keogh, where the pain and ancestor trauma flooded out of my emotional and physical body. I wailed. I cried. I released like I had never ever done in my whole entire life. The neighbors must have thought I was giving birth to a baby, which is so ironic, but it was so cathartic. Through this simple breath work, half an hour of breath work, I felt lighter, brighter, and more centered. In another breath work session, I was shown a past life where I'd been a mother and I'd been found out to be psychic, intuitive, and my children were taken away from me because of it. Any ancestor stories start at a cellular level, even before we enter the world. It's part of the information we receive in our mother's womb. It makes sense that the question of motherhood would be stored in my emotional and physical body, and that generations later, I would feel the impact of my ancestors' experiences. Other personal healings that I did included ancestor release rituals, guided meditation shown to me by my spirit guides to heal the trauma. It's funny, as I was doing this work, I also had a Vedic astrology reading with Danielle Batoa, and it came up that it was written in the planets or it showed up in the planets that although I'm loving and nurturing, I might not be connected to having my own children and that I will birth and nurture other things into the world, which will provide the same energy. So like this work, caring for clients is part of me being a mother. Will I ever have children myself? I'm not sure. Daryl could have a reversal. We could adopt. Who knows? I don't feel called right now to go and freeze my eggs. I also find it interesting that a lot of healers, psychics, intuitives don't have children. It's not that they don't love children and want to be around children, but they have either chosen not to have children or can't have children. But I must share, I do love kids. They 
bring me so much joy. I have young cousins who I've seen grow up who are absolutely hilarious and it is always fun to be playful and play games and see them grow as well. A question I get asked is, can we heal this overnight? I don't believe so. Ancestor story healing is ongoing. It's the same as any other healing, that it doesn't stop there. There just isn't an end game or a completion. You think you've got something healed and it can come back up. Life life is a journey of healing. Just last week, I had a Psych K session with Natalie Hayes, who was a guest on the show a few months back. And in this Psych K session, we released some of the blocks around me sharing this episode with you, allowing these stories to be heard. Ironically, I was holding some of these patterns that showed up in my uterus. Also during the session, it came through that I called Daryl in to be my partner just as I was starting this business full time. And then if you look at the past lives I had around having children being taken away once I was found out as being psychic and intuitive, and suddenly I call in a man, I call in a partner that can't bring me children. So it is really interesting that there was this kind of safety element of calling him in at this time. So it allowed me to be psychic, be intuitive, be out of the closet with it and share it openly and also have a partner, but also it being safe for me not to get pregnant and have children. I found that really, really interesting. But I didn't just look at healing the maternal story because it's important for us to look at the paternal story too. For the paternal side, the themes of money, work and freedom to do what you love kept coming up. And the theme that came through was, what is independence? What is independence? The men in the family on my dad's side come from a line of family businesses where it was expected for you to go into the family business. You weren't expected to carve and create your own career. My dad is one of six children, four boys and two girls, and all the boys went into the family business. How this has impacted my life and how the ancestor story has created blocks and patterns for me um, is a strong need to be financially independent to family, doing something that I love, that brings me joy and happiness where it doesn't feel like I'm going to work. So to be able to do this work as a psychic medium and spiritual mentor, it doesn't feel like work and it does. It brings me so much joy. One other thing that came up as I was looking at this ancestor story is, are you finishing off an ancestor's journey? Are you finishing off one of your ancestors' journey? For some of you listening, and myself included, we're finishing the stories off of our ancestors. Some things they didn't get to complete or resolve themselves. For me, I realized that I was finishing a lot of my grandfather's story off on my mother's side. So Josephine's husband, Richard. I was making peace for certain times of his life and following his footsteps. For example, in my early 20s, I moved to Wales. He wasn't a fan of Wales and he lived in Wales his family were in Wales and he didn't like it and so he moved away but yeah in my early 20s I lived in Cardiff and I loved it I had a really great time 
my grandfather also moved the family in the late 50s to Canada, um, to Montreal. Where am I living now? I live in Canada. Um, he moved to Canada with a vision to move to the US, but it didn't happen. My nan hated the cold in Montreal and wanted to go back to London. So they went back and my mum and I have joked that if my grandfather had moved to Vancouver or had made his way over to Vancouver where the weather was better, my nan would have coped a lot more being in Vancouver. But I am following the unfinished business because, yeah, I'm in Canada and one of my big dreams is to one day to live in the US. I've always wanted to live there since the age of nine, I remember being on holiday in San Francisco and being like, one day I want to live here. So it's really interesting that we can be finishing off our ancestors' journey. We can be finishing things off for them. But part of healing this ancestor story is me sharing these stories with you today and these themes. It feels like putting a cherry on top of the cake and my great-grandmother and grandmother have been around so much since I started creating the content for the Heal Your Ancestor Story course and preparing for this episode. Just the other night, my grandmother, Josephine, it's funny as I'm saying Josephine, she always went as Joe. So the fact that I'm calling her Josephine, she's laughing at me. But the other night she came and gave me the biggest hug before I went to sleep the other night. It was so real. I cried. I cried a lot. And she came to let me know it was okay to share this and to reassure me. My great-grandmother, Frances, has been around my apartment and she's been sat smiling at me, giving me a knowing look and cheering me on. And as I record this, I've got my great-grandmother and my grandmother sat in front of me and there's even her sister here as well who looked after her son before the war. Know that your ancestors are always around you to support you and that you can call on them for their support. It's like calling in um, spirit guides for support. You can do the same thing for ancestors. Sit somewhere quiet, call them in, actually say it out louder in your head, call specific ancestors or just call in the ancestral energy in general and they will step forward. So this episode might have got your head asking lots of questions. What's my ancestor story? How do I fit in? Can I do this if I don't know members of my family? Can I do this if I'm adopted? So since I stopped doing one-on-one client sessions, I've created a Heal Your Ancestor Story online course where I share all the tools, guidance and practices that Spirit shared to me on how you can begin to heal your ancestor story. I myself have done this as a process and parts of it I've shared in my one-on-one client sessions but this is the first time it's collated all in one place and it's just launched today and I'm really excited to share it with you. So you can heal your ancestor story through a series of guided meditations and journaling. You'll discover what your ancestor story or stories are and how you can heal and release them. Accessibility is so important. So all of the course is transcribed and there are visual text guided meditations for the deaf and hard of hearing. 
I'll also be recording a monthly group check-in call between July and the end of the year, December 2019, for you to ask any questions that you have that may be coming up for you during the Heal Your Ancestor Story process. You'll receive a monthly recording and you can submit questions in advance for me to answer. But on Instagram, I did a shout out for some questions that were triggered for people on the title of Heal Your Ancestor Story. And I wanted to share a couple of them here. So firstly, do I need to know all of my ancestors or family? You don't have to know all of your family to do this healing or be able to relate or know any of your ancestors. If you don't know one or either of your parents, you can still connect to their essence and do the healing. If you're adopted, you can do this process for both your birth family and adopted family. In client sessions, it's come through that if you're adopted, you can carry the stories of your birth and adoptive families. You can also do this healing if you don't know all of your immediate family, your mother, father or their extended family. You can also do this work if you have same-sex parents. We can heal the energetic qualities of our ancestors without knowing everything about them. Someone else asked, can this help karmic cycles? Can it heal ancestral karma? The answer is, yeah, it can help heal these family and personal cycles. It can help show you what they are and how you can heal them or begin to heal them and release them. Another question that got asked was, where does my aloneness come from? And I thought this was a really important question to answer. Where does my aloneness come from? Because this Heal Your Ancestors Story workshop can help you discover where those emotions, the blocks and things that you hold on to, where things come from. Because that aloneness might not just be your aloneness, but it most likely also shows up in the maternal or paternal stories. So the workshop can help you find out and discover why you feel isolated, why you feel alone, why you feel unlovable, why you might feel abandoned, why you might not feel seen or heard, why you might struggle with the concept of home or being settled, the notion of safety and being safe, giving and receiving love, self-worth, trust issues, problems with money. It's amazing what can come through when we start to look at the ancestor story. Someone also asked, how many generations of ancestors could we possibly be carrying wounds from? As I've shared, it can be from your immediate family and also the ancestors from hundreds of years ago. Another question that got asked was, how do you identify and connect to your ancestors? During this workshop, it will lead you to identify and connect to your ancestors. We'll be calling them in and we'll be connecting to living and ancestors who have passed over. And one final question that got asked. We know as a soul what contracts we are coming into this lifetime with. However, do our ancestor stories and our contracts relate and do they work in harmony? Or further, is that part of our work to consolidate? Okay, it's a bit of a mouthy question, but I'm going to answer it this way. So our soul comes in with a contract, you know, we have soul contracts that we come in and be like, this is what I'm here to heal. And our ancestor stories are part of that. And it's part of the soul contract to look at the ancestor story and heal it. Do they work in harmony? Sometimes they do. Most often we're here to learn and heal and sometimes that doesn't have harmony as part of that. And that is part of the healing is how can we create harmony? How can we create healing? 
So if you feel called to look at your own ancestor story and heal your ancestor story, the course is $88. And as it's just launched and as a thank you for listening to the podcast, the course is discounted right now, Wednesday 10th until midnight on Monday 15th of July. The usual price, yeah, is $88, but you can get it for $62 until Monday 15th. All you need to do is enter the code ANCESTOR, ANCESTOR, all in capitals, at the checkout. And I'll put all of this in the show notes. In the show notes, I'll also put the course website. And on the course website, there's a big list of Q&A questions. There's all the information around what's included and what the process looks like. And when we look at healing our ancestor story and identify and acknowledge the themes that keep repeating themselves through the generations and start to do the work around it, we have the power to stop the stories. Once you shine the light, they can't hide in the shadows anymore. We take the power back over the trauma. And by taking the power back, we can guide the next generation to not repeat the stories. Because in the end, that's the goal for them not to repeat the stories. If you've enjoyed this episode, give me a follow on Instagram tag me if you're listening what are your thoughts what's coming up for you as we talk about ancestors I am at I am Natalie Miles I am Natalie Miles and if you feel called share this episode with a friend or family member you feel would benefit listening to this episode all about ancestor stories and if you're enjoying it please go to iTunes and rate and review It's been an absolute pleasure to share this episode with you, to share the stories of my ancestors, to share where I fit into the story of what is a mother. Thank you for listening and I will be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Bye.